When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 185, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and sponsor betonline.ag. It's Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Frances. Frances, again, the times continue to be weird, but I have to ask, how have you been? Hola, Gules. I've been all right. I've been all right. Um, obviously, being very cautious. Um, I've been at home for, I think it's five or six days. I'm not quite sure because everything, you know, blends into one. The, the situation here in Qatar just changes all the time because, you know, the government keeps um, not changing their minds, but becoming more and more strict by the minute. Um, obviously, very concerned about the news coming out of uh, Italy and Europe, but particularly, obviously, Spain, because that's, that's where I'm from. And uh, I just wish that everyone keeps washing their hands and being reasonable and staying at home unless it's essential and they follow the, the rules of the different governments around the world. Yeah, I can echo all of that here in the United States. Some pretty scary times, and we hope that we're not trying to minimize, we're not trying to downplay anything that's going on outside of this little podcasting world, but we hope that by putting us in your ears that we can serve as a distraction for you. And we have two different distractions as far as the whole Barcelona podcast pie to distract you this week. So we are doing today an Ask Me Anything. It's known on Reddit. Now, I don't really often go on Reddit, but I understand the whole concept of asking listener questions that go behind the scenes pick up the hood of the car because, and the reason we are doing that this week is because over on the YouTube channel, every day this week, Monday through Friday, we are counting down the top 50 players in FC Barcelona history. And then next Monday, 
Frances and I will be discussing and breaking down that list because it is a combined list of the two of us. We came to an agreement and I averaged out all the different numbers, but there are some disagreements on where Frances and I had, and we're going to hash out some of those debates next week on the show. So today, again, I wanted to minimize the amount of work I had to put in and research for a show. So it is an Ask Me Anything from our listener question Facebook group. Without further ado, Frances, you know, we, this is going to be the one that I think might, uh, it either brings us closer together or it's going to tear us apart. No, we were already apart, mate. <laughs> the can't, from the U.S. and the Qatar can't be too much farther. Well, Ellie starts with the first question. And Ellie, a special thank you to him as well. One of our key listeners in the Facebook group, pushing forward a lot of different debate. Sensational. And all these listeners that we're getting questions from today are certainly superstars in the listener Facebook group. So here we go. Eli asks, what was your motivation behind starting this podcast? And how do you two know each other? I think, Frances, this is a two-part question, though, because I think... We have to ask first you the question about starting the blog, then that gets into how we know each other, and then I'll answer how we got to know each other and how the podcast was started. But how about you take us all the way back to the beginning of Barca Blog? Okay, all right. So um, I was living in London at the time. I think it was around 2008 sort of thing. And yeah, just one day I, I was home and I realized there were some, some things called blogs that people were writing about different bits and pieces. Um, obviously, coming from Spain, I have been living in London for, at that time, it would have been seven years already. And I had no one to talk Barca to. Um, I could watch the games in some dodgy websites over the internet somehow. Um, but I had no one to talk to in terms of football. I could play football. And I was playing uh, for the Spanish embassy, actually, when I was living in London. And I had a football team, West Ham United, in, in East London at the time. And yeah, but no one really supported Barca. Everyone was, you know, for Arsenal mainly, but also Tottenham and Chelsea. And um, yeah, I had no one to talk Barca with. And I realized that no one was writing about Barca in English. There were different outlets doing it in Spanish. Your, you know, Sport, Mundo Deportivo, and obviously Marca and Us, which are Madrid newspapers. But they also talked about Barca. And I one day just started posting things on a Facebook page, which is the Barca blog page that I hope everyone knows, BarcaBlog.com page on Facebook. And yeah, I just I just get writing in there. And over the years, quite quickly, to be honest, it started to grow. And it got to a point that it reached 700,000 followers. I think it's around 680,000 now. And yeah, I just kept putting different pictures and, and having some opinionated takes on things. Um, Facebook became too small for what I wanted to do and share. So I just make a blogger blog, blogger.com which is the Google blogging platform. And I started writing in there and it basically skyrocketed. It got, I can't quite remember, but between 200,000 to 300,000 views every month. Um, so by the end of the year, it was something around three or four million views. And uh, then basically ESPN came calling. So I started writing for ESPN. It was called ESPN SoccerNet at the time. And I started writing different blogs in there once a, once a week at the beginning. Then it became twice a week. Then ESPN SoccerNet closed and it became ESPN FC, which I believe is still going. Mm -hmm. And I was the Barca correspondent for around two and a half years until my little girls were born. And, you know, on my, in my actual career, I manage an um, educational company, let's call it that, during the day. So it just got to a point that that was happening. I got married and, you know, my first first beautiful girl came along and I just couldn't handle everything. So I had to unfortunately resign from my position at, at ESPN FC. 
um, which I I don't regret doing it, but obviously it is something that I had to do at the time. But it was it was easy money because I was getting paid very well for just doing what I was doing for free anyway. And yeah, so Barcelona came along. Um, Dan, I think, contacted me at some stage. Well, well not um, exactly. So here, here's where I'll jump in: is that in 2015? Yeah, go go. Yeah, I don't quite remember Dan. I remember that you got in touch, or I got in touch. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, in 2015, you had put out basically a call on Twitter for people to write for Barca Blog. And a few of us had responded, but then only one of us continued to bother you week in and week out for content uh, and uh, for, for writing articles and writing content. So I started, I remember my very first article was about Mark Bartra and about his transition, not only from the first team, but whether or not he could ever step into a starting role. We'll see how that turned out. But that was the very first piece that I wrote for you in 2015. And, you know, so we got to know each other through email and all that stuff. And then right around the middle of 2016, after life, again, continued to get a little more busy for you, you decided to stop the blog and stop doing articles in the way. And there was uh, ways that you were able to get us a little bit of money through sponsors at the start there. But once that money dried up, that kind of all stopped around 2016. So we didn't hear much from each other. And then in 2017, uh, you contacted me right around May, April, May of 2017. And you said that people were doing podcasts you had heard of. And uh, I in the States, I listened to a lot of podcasts. One of my favorite shows, one of the inspirations for me jumping on board for this was Total Soccer Show um, with Taylor Rockwell and Daryl Grove. They're two guys here based in the United States in Richmond, and they produce a show every single weekday usually. And that is basically their job. They're full-time Total Soccer Show podcasters. When he said that, I said, I think this is something that would make a lot of sense because I see a lot of other people, even I know, they do generic podcasts about sports or generic podcasts about whether it's the NBA or the NFL. But I I think if you don't have a niche, you kind of get lost. So when I heard about a Barcelona podcast, uh, an English-speaking FC Barcelona podcast, I looked on iTunes, I looked everywhere I could, and I didn't see that show. Now, there is other shows that exist now, whether it's Barca Talk and Churuzi Tacticus is out there as well. And obviously, the Spanish football podcast has been around for a while. But when it came to just FC Barcelona, at the time when Francesca and I discussed this in 2017, I didn't see any other English-speaking FC Barcelona podcast. So I thought, well, that's going to be our niche, and that's where we're going to find an audience. And that's what we did. So our friendship kind of grew over the course of the last... It's been six years, but our friendship really grew when we were talking to each other every week. And as I always joke, with my wife other than than her Frances is the person that I am in contact with probably the most because we're back and forth on ideas on uh, so many different things even throughout the week when we're not actually on the show so that is how we got to know each other and the podcast has only grown from there so we're gonna have plenty of more we're gonna, we have a ton of other questions about the podcast so next up from my nor this is again more personal though Frances and you have a better answer than me on this one I guarantee that one what is your earliest memory of the club was it a match or a player <laughs> Um, I don't quite remember. Like, I remember that obviously I was playing football myself. Um, I was playing, I was born in Moyet in, it's a, basically close enough to the Formula One circuit, which is the Catalonia circuit in the outskirts of Barcelona in Montmelo. And I was playing football there. Um, I was playing in, in, in the school. Um, it was five-a-side football. And then I got signed to play for the 11-a-side team for the whole city. And one day... The, the, the manager said, all right, so you've been very good this season. I think we won the league or something along those lines. So we came second or something very, very good. We did very well that season. And they organized a trip to the Camp Nou um, for all of us to go. So we must have been, I want to say, eight, nine years old. And yeah, so we all went on a little bus 
singing and dancing and very excited. It was nighttime as well. There were no parents. It was just our manager. You know, health and safety has changed from the 1990s. I think it was 1991 along those times. And things things are very different now. But at the time, we just went. It was uh, 9, 9 p.m. It was really late. So it must have been 9 p.m. or 8.30 p.m. kickoff. And it was Barca, Leti, Bilbao. And Barca ended up, ended up winning 2-1. Now, I have done some research on this to work out who the scorers were, but I cannot remember now. I think it was Vaquero and Begiristain, but I can't be sure. But it was someone, someone along those lines. And, um, yeah, we came home, I think it was like 1 a.m., something stupid like that. And I just fell in love with, with the whole experience. Obviously, I had been watching Barca with my dad because he's a Barca supporter as well throughout the whole of my life. Um, but I don't quite remember anything bigger than the first time I went to the Camp Nou with my teammates back then. Yeah, I think for me, it's an entirely different story, Francis, because I grew up in the U.S. where soccer was not, and that's, I call it soccer in this case, was not at a premium. So my first memories, I remember playing as FC Barcelona on FIFA 98, the video game. And that was, uh, I, I like the colors, I like the scheme. So even though Barca at the time really weren't a terrific team, I still, at that age, again, I was a tiny tot at the time, enjoyed playing with FC Barcelona. And then by FIFA 07, I was playing with Ronaldinho and Messi. And for me, honestly, actually, a lot of my motivation as, uh, or players that I looked up to were my favorite player my, uh, of all time, up to that point at least, until Messi and Iniesta had really come along and into their own, was Terry Henry at Arsenal. And I also enjoyed Dennis Bergkamp. So uh, they were a one-two punch, and Arsenal was on TV for me to watch, and Barcelona wasn't. So it's not that I was an Arsenal fan, but I enjoyed Terry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp. And again, they were early players that I, I enjoyed to see. And then when Terry Henry moved to Barcelona in 2007, uh, that really was it where I was like, okay, now I need to follow and be paying attention to everything that FC Barcelona does. It would even become a few more years before I was able to get Barcelona here in the States and watch them on the internet, obviously, because they're not on TV other than a rare Champions League game. So of course, I was able to see when against Chelsea and some of those big, big moments and things in the Champions League. But obviously, La Liga uh, was something that I was unable to see even uh, up until what 2010 11 12 when YouTube really was starting to put up highlights and even after that maybe so for me yeah it was just all about playing the video game and having access to uh, or, or getting to enjoy this team in any ways that I could access them at the time so yeah totally entirely different stories but it's all about the club that you love and and how you get back to that point so uh, at the point at this point in the show we are going to take a quick ad break and be back to continue our conversation with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online waging experts. All right, back from that ad break. Polkit has a question. Are there any vacancies on the podcast? And it might be hypocritical <laughs> for me to say, Frances, because I got my start by uh, having you put out, again, a call to action about writing for the show. But 
Polkit, unfortunately, the answer here is we run a tight ship here at the Barcelona Podcast at the moment. In the future, I would love to be able to expand and to have, we'll say, some help for stuff behind the scenes. But at the moment, just the way that the podcast is structured and the amount of things that come in as far as sponsorships and and ads and things like that, uh, I, I unfortunately, I'm in a spot where... I got to oil the greasy wheel at the moment, and we'll continue the pod just like that for the time being. But Polkit, the answer is hopefully in the future, there will be, but not at present time. So Emmanuel asked a very similar question. Frances, I think you kind of said this, but anything you want to elaborate on by answering what made you a Barca fan? What made me a Barca fan was the fact that I was born in Barcelona and Barca were winning at the time. <laughs> That's helpful. Um, yes. Also, the fact that my dad is a Barca supporter. The vast majority of my uncles, actually, uh, they're the really ferocious Real Madrid supporter. They, they, they love Madrid and they love Real Betis as well. So uh, the story here is my mom, ha- there were five, well, with her was six siblings and my dad was pretty much an only child. So, so my dad was born in Barcelona and obviously it was clear you're going to support them because, you know, let's face it, no one supports Espanol that has their head in the right place. So with that in mind, uh, the whole of my dad's side of the family, which was just him, supported Barca, and everyone else from my mom's side supported either Real Betis from Sevilla or, or Real Madrid. Now, my uncles, <laughs> they, they, they are and they were lovely because they're not all still alive now. Uh, but the thing is, they really made me very angry. They, like, they really like winding me up, calling me all sorts of names and, you know, hitting me around the head and, you know, in, an effect, in a very effective way. But you're talking about Spain in the 1980s. So... You know, things things have changed quite a bit. And they just basically gave me, when it was my birthday, they got me like white shirts and they wanted me to wear Real Madrid symbols. And every time that they scored against Barca, they would just be, you know, cheering, cheering their teams on and, and you know, having me on and, and trying to annoy me, etc. And, you know, Real Betis, I don't mind because, you know, my, my mom is from Huelva, which is near Sevilla in southern Spain. And, you know, I've got quite a lot of sympathy for Betis, especially, not sympathy, simpatia in Spanish, um, a lot of appreciation for Betis in English, um, because, you know, they are a friendly club that nowadays play good football and, you know, they've not always been in the first division and, you know, I don't see them as rivals. So Real Betis, I'm, I'm quite fond of. Uh, Real Madrid, obviously, I, I can't stand. And I think it comes more from my family than anything. And also the fact that, you know, let's face it, the kid is much prettier and the football we play is better. Yeah, it's funny because we wind up again being kind of opposites in certain ways, but there's a likeness to it as well. I think for me, I came from a little farm town where, again, I'm going to call it soccer here because it was not at a premium. And if anything, uh, in the mid-90s, soccer was seen as, you know, obviously it's it's for wimpy, it's for people that are that are just flopping around and for, for tiny, for guys who are tiny and thin and they're not anything because where I came from, football is an American football was at the premium and then you you were supposed to wrestle or you played baseball and so you had a lot of guys we'll call them farm strong you got a lot of my classmates were just big guys and that's what they like to do so soccer was for you know guys that were that, that were it was just not seen as something that was cool or it was not seen as something that was going to make you popular for any for any uh any any bit of it and it just like how Frances you were the only 
Barca fan, it's surrounded with your uncles at least. For me, I was not only one of the only soccer fans that I knew in my life, but I was the only person that likes FC Barcelona. And it is one of the reasons why I continue to do the show and found this community, because you'll find that uh, in my personal life, I have one or two friends that enjoy Barcelona, and one of my friends listens to almost every show. So uh, appreciative of his support getting this started, even just by saying, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, and then giving me a little bit of feedback as a friend, because no one else in my personal life really listens to the show week in and week out, because nobody really cares about FC Barcelona in my personal life. Uh, it is interesting. I'm the, the only person that I know that listens to the podcast is you. Right. So. And some of my friends in London, obviously, and obviously the, the guys from the from the Facebook group. But right. no, personal relationships, no one listens to the right. show. But that's okay. People I'm that we've gotten to know, right? People that we've, we've made friends through the community by doing this. Exactly. So, And I, if anything, that's strengthened my fanhood as well. So Douglas asked a question here. Thoughts on the NBA season? That playing off the fact that he knows that Francis and I are both big NBA fans. And Douglas, I'm going to answer by saying it's the same thing as anything else that I thought it was a... It was... <laughs> In a way, it was one of the oddest NBA seasons that we had had, whether it started with Daryl Morey and the tweet about China, and then you go into the death of Kobe Bryant. But yet there was, and then the Warriors dynasty was at least taking a hiatus. So the, the NBA was more wide open. The, the NBA, I think, in terms of star power and talent, particularly when Zion Williamson showed up, it seemed like the basketball that was being played was, it was up in the air, the trophy was up in the air, and there were so, so many good teams. But then again, everything that's been happening off the court, whether it was Kobe or whether it was the, the China controversy, and then obviously with the rest of this season, I mean, if it gets played at all, what's that going to look like? Yeah, it was such. A, I, I think it was such a great season, but such a weird season at the same time. But just like anything else, you don't know when it's going to come back, but you're certainly enjoying the time that you had with it this season. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree with you in every single point. Um, the only thing to add is that I think it, it makes absolute sense that the, the, everything is put on hold until this uh, pandemic that we're, you know, it seems it's surreal, isn't it? It's like you're in the middle of a zombie movie um, and you're being attacked by invisible enemies that are not really there, but they are. And when you think that they're not, that's when you that's when you go under. So I just think that everything needs to be put on hold. But I would really, really like for all competitions, that's NBA, that's um, MLS and definitely La Liga and, and Champions League, etc., to be restarted from where it ended, basically not start a new season, but actually end it, even if it needs to end next February, say, you know, because otherwise you're just starting for the sake of starting again, and you don't know if this thing is actually going to go as most people expect that it will. So, yeah, yeah well, I think anything that starts should be ended. Yeah, we're already pretty under the hood, but I'm going to take up, if there's a mini hood under the hood to take up, as many know, I work in sports. So I was actually at the Major League so Soccer offices. I was I was working a shift when I found out about the suspension of their season for what was 30 days and is becoming indefinitely. So for me, it certainly has been extra surreal because I work in sports. So I am kind of just sitting around. And as I said, I'm working on a lot of content. That's why the top 50 countdown, I've got plenty more cooking because again, I am kind of in a waiting period. It's, it's a matter for me of trying to figure out what sports is going to look like and what jobs I'm going back to when it's time to go back to work and how long is that going to be. So certainly these are uncertain times and odd times, but we continue to power through by doing the show and continue to distract ourselves that way. Can yeah. I please interrupt you there? Yeah. Uh, because I personally obviously really appreciate what you do because as we said many times before, if it wasn't for you, this show wouldn't be still alive. Um, can I just politely ask the, the listeners if they are ever going to think about becoming patrons. And, you know, as, as you know, we've got, we've got sponsors in the show, so we don't necessarily need it in order to survive with the podcast. 
But if you appreciate what me, not necessarily me, but what Dan is doing, and you're ever going to support it in any way, shape or form, I think this is the time for you to do that. Um, I'm not saying, I'm not begging for money. I'm just saying that if you think that this show adds any value and you want to support Dan during this time, which basically he's got next to no work whatsoever, then this is the time. I mean, I do support with myself being here, but also there's a lot of other things in terms of sponsorship that I do behind the scenes. Um, so if anyone wants to support with that, this is your time. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I would tell everyone, first and foremost, obviously, always take care of yourself. Whatever's appreciated. Again, Frances, I appreciate those words as well. Unfortunately, because I do the Quick Take Match reviews on Patreon, there won't be Patreon content. But as always, again, Patreon supports the show. So Poncho has a quick one for me. Living in the U.S., what are the thoughts of the North American Super League proposal between Liga Emekis and MLS? And that is about, not to take this even the North American, because I'm wondering to see when what's lost in broadcasting revenue. And I'm not sure if this hiatus with football is going to lead more to a European Super League, or maybe this takes us farther away from that. Obviously, the major clubs would love to get in that, but it, it would certainly be an odd thing if you saw, let's say, a Real Madrid, and I do use Madrid in this instance. Let's say that they do set it up where there might be some kind of relegation, which won't make any sense because it's going to be a buy-in for the Super League. But let's say you have a team like Real Madrid in the relegation zone, or let's say Real Madrid get 18th in the league, how are their fans, and this could stand for any of these super teams, Bayern, Barca, Juventus, anybody, Chelsea, whoever's in that super league, if you find your team in the bottom half, I don't know what that's going to look like for the fans or what that means for, yeah, for the audience. And I don't know if that's really actually the the, the, the best idea. That said, this North American Super League, I, I don't think the proposal, at least at the moment, isn't going to get rid of Liga MX or MLS as independent leagues at all. It's merely just doing a lot more collaborative work. And with the audience, and I, it's it's largely a Mexican, a Mexican-American audience in the U.S., there is such a Pop, uh, Latinx population in the United States that it is very beneficial for MLS and Liga MX to be combining and doing collaborative work. And whether it is just the, the obviously the CONCACAF Champions League going on at the moment, but let's say you basically divide them, Liga MX and MLS for the regular seasons. And then as the MLS is a postseason, very unlike the, any other league, there are other leagues that, that do playoffs, but the U.S. do a very Americanized playoff way at the end. But if Liga Emekis then joined up at that moment with the winners of MLS and Liga Emekis kind of went for whatever the Super League title would be, I think that would make a lot of sense from both a marketing standpoint and then the audience as well. So I, I think it's different in terms of the European Super League in comparison to I think the, the, there are many more benefits that I can see very clearly with a an American or a North American Super League. Yeah, nothing much to add in the North American-Mexican situation because obviously you're the expert. Um, I just want to add that for the European Superliga, I think that in my eyes, it would be a great competition to be in. But then again, I think the Champions League already is a great competition. And I'm just fearful that basically we are destroying football as, as it is. Because the national competitions in terms of um, teams like Levante, Leganés, Getafe, um, Eibar, you know, they, they are the, what we in Spanish we say, la salsa de football. You know, they're the source of football. They are the essence of what football actually is. And, you know, if you're only going to be playing for the bigger teams and the bigger teams are just going to be playing each other, then it's just going to be a very rich pie just shared amongst the, the bigger eaters, you know. And I think that players such as, I don't know, Jordi Alba, I, I can think of Albert Ferre, uh, players like Piquet himself, you know, they play for Zaragoza, um, 
Ferrer played for Tenerife, Jordi Alba played for Cornellà, then obviously went to Valencia, etc. I think that those layers in professional football and, and amateur football at to a stage or semi-professional football even is important for great players to come through. So I think that if we centralize all the power, all the money and all of the attention on just the top, top, top gifted and talented teams, then the, the whole thing will crumble. So I'm, I'm against it, actually. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You have to look down. Again, we won't know after all this is over how those we spoke about on last week's show, how those smaller teams are going to deal with it. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens going forward. And I also have to put the disclaimer in here as well that I might work in Major League Soccer, but I have no inside knowledge whatsoever on those kind of proposals, those kind of plans, nothing like that. So I just want to get all that out there, how to put the disclaimer in. Here's a disclaimer. The rest of our questions are all from Rick. Uh, in the in the listener <laughs> Facebook page, and we love you, Rick. Yeah, we have a lot of Rick, love for Rick. There's Rick forever. A, a ton of great questions here, so we are going to basically end the show by going through these questions. Shall we rename this section the Rick Corner? <laughs> sure. This is the Rick Corner. All the questions that he had, and they're all good ones. So we're going to go through them. Some are going to be rather quick, but let's start with what was the most difficult episode you guys had to do in terms of the negativity of the content it might be. And then he also asked what was the best episode. So Frances, I'll let you go first. What are your picks here? I The, the, the most difficult one was, I want to say, probably less than a year ago. You know, the last week has been such a, such a blur that I don't even remember dates. But the one when Barcelona was attacked, uh, there was a terrorist attack in La, in La Ramblas. And we were debating whether to record the episode and totally ignore it or actually go for it. Um, there was a lot of political tension to, to, to go with it as well because there was terrorism, but there was political connotations and it was a very, very difficult one to record. Um, as for the happy ones, <laughs> the most recent one when Valverde got sacked, that was very good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Numbers-wise, we did really well numbers-wise too, again, behind the scenes. I'll let did you know we? that. People uh, listened. People, yeah. people were excited. They were galvanized for at least a week before they started thinking that Kike Setien was the next coming of Valverde. But we had a good week there, yeah. Frances. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I, I don't even look at the numbers, obviously, as you know. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that was that was pretty good because it was like a new beginning. Obviously, it hasn't panned out as well as we thought it was going to, or at least as, as quickly as most people wanted. Not necessarily expected, but wanted. Um, and I don't remember any of the episode that was particularly happy. I mean, generally, it's it's. I feel good recording these episodes, even when it's negative stuff, because I know that a lot of people really care. I mean, we've got a consistent base of listeners that is always growing um and yeah the content seems to be seems to be appreciated I, I do remember when we won the champions league in 2015 we weren't doing the podcast but i do remember posting a picture on the barcelona.com facebook page you know the one with nearly 700,000 followers and i posted it and i think within a minute it has something like 6,000 likes because obviously the facebook algorithm hadn't changed at that point and that was pretty cool to see that, you know, you, you put something and instantly 6,000 people really enjoy it, which obviously means that it reached at least 60 or 70,000 people in one minute. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And what is the most difficult ones? Going all the way back to episode 38, that was when the Catalan referendum was going on back in 2017. So, and I think that was one of our first shows. It was, yes, we were 38 shows in, but that was one of the first shows where it wasn't necessarily anything off the cuff. And we kind of had to figure out what our voice was by that point. I had prepared a statement and all these different things just to almost cover our bases. And even after that, we still got a lot of negativity because even if you don't have an opinion, 
or because again, we don't, we do our best not to be political on this show. You might see some of our politics coming through in little whispers, but Francesca and I both pick our words uh, very, very carefully when it comes to a lot of different things when, in regards to politics. So when it came to the Catalan independence show, uh, when the, with the closed doors against Las Palmas, either way, you were going to upset somebody. And then Again, this is behind the scenes for the when Barca lost at Anfield and all the fallout after that show. For me, I was actually afraid, and part of it kind of came true. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy here that when Barca lose those big matches like Roma, like Anfield, a lot of listeners, they get dejected and they tune out. And my worry was that, is our show going to be able to continue if we lose all these people and they check out and maybe I, I guess you want to say, yeah, those are just the fans that are either overtly emotional or the ones that uh, were waiting for a moment to leave. Sure. But yeah, all those negative times when Barca are losing big matches, the numbers always tend to be down. And I, I always worry about our audience moving forward. So as far as best episode, though, I actually really liked in December of this year, the Barcelona team of the decade show we don't often do those drafts but that was the second draft we had done and it, it winds up bringing out i think the best of our friendship in terms of just a friendly debate and going back and forth and seeing how Francesca and i even view uh the players differently as we're gonna actually next week we'll, when we talk about that ranking we just view different players a little bit differently but it's also fun to see the number of times Francesca and i wind up being on the same page with different shows like that so that was certainly a fun one and then the other shows and this is no offense to Frances, it is meat and potatoes him and i every week talking about the club Sure, but a lot of the special shows that I've done, whether it was the La Masia updates with Navid, the Catalan Cuisine mm-hmm. show I did with Daniel Olivella, or the country specials with Mike Miller, whether it was France or, or Hungary, then a lot of the different shows that I had done that wind up just being specialty one-off shows, those wind up being a lot of fun for me because... It's where I get to just put on my glasses, which I do normally wear glasses, but I get to put on my extra Barca glasses <laughs> and I get to dig into the research. And I, you know, those are the shows that are the, the most work. And even if those are the shows that wind up getting the least amount of listeners, let's say that as well. Those are the ones that I wind up being the most proud of. And again, no offense to Frances not being on those shows, but those are the ones that, again, I really get to dig in. And I hope that our devout listeners get the most out of those shows because those are the ones that aren't just what you're going to read in sport or ESPN, FC on a given day. Those are the ones that take a lot of research on the people that have, are, are up and close and, uh, and have been there before. Yeah, those shows are awesome, man. Um, obviously, we can't forget the fact that I was gone from the podcast for around a year uh, when I moved to Qatar because uh, basically my whole world changed. Like I was living in London. I was there, I think it was 16, 17 years and everything was quite settled. Obviously, the girls were born. They are four and a half and about to be five years old now. And the little one is two and a half. And with all of that going on, moving the whole family all the way to the Middle East, um, we've got a great life here. But obviously, in the beginning, it was hard. Um, We moved into a little flat in the middle of Doha. Um, It was, to say the least, it was difficult to, 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 to do the transition. But obviously, I had a secure job that uh, I was enjoying and I am enjoying every single day and obviously growing and moving forward. And, you know, I couldn't be recording the podcast at the time because I had to put my 110% into, into keeping my family going. My wife wasn't working at the time. Now she is. She found a job uh, after, you know, being here for two, two and a half months. And to be honest, she's doing particularly well. She's very, very proud, very happy. So we're both working. And we've got a really good situation, but you know, during the, the first, particularly the first three months, were were difficult because you don't know anyone, you don't know anything, you don't even know, you know, when you go to a supermarket, you don't even know what to shop for. Um, you, it's a different, a different way of doing money, you know, from from euros to pounds, 
So from Spain to, to London, that was pretty much the same. But here with Qatari Reals, everything is, is, well, not anymore, but it was very confusing at the start. Um, obviously, things are more expensive um, because of the, of the fact that the political situation here in Qatar, you don't have all the products coming from Europe. So anything that is two pounds in England, it costs four pounds here. Uh, so 20 Qatari reels and yeah, that was really hard. So the last thing I could do is, is go into the podcast. But the thing is, once the situation changed um, in terms of things started being, you know, routinely happening on a daily basis that I could find some time. And, and to be honest, with the time difference with New York, it actually works better now because I record the podcast once my both my girls and actually the three of my girls, because my wife also has done this or is doing this now. Uh, they've all gone to sleep. So it's very nice and quiet here. There's no one disturbing me. There's no one saying papa, papa, papa. And I just get to have my quiet time talking to Dan through my iPhone. So not bad. Yeah, I also, in that time period, I'm, I don't want to miss anybody. I should have made a list, but I'm actually working on, on barcelblog.com. I'm going to be basically getting through, almost call it a thank you, but almost a hall of fame. It's something I've been working on. I don't know when it'll be out, but all that said, uh, whether it was Kevin Williams, Dana Christine, Barcelev, Noel, uh, Kevin Egan, again, I don't want to miss people. Even Jonathan Wilson had come on. And one of the favorite, one of my favorite shows, actually, considering, as, I, as you were saying, I was thinking about Natasha Antonova, who was no longer with Barca Femini. But mm-hmm. when, you, when we were able to contact her, you were able to contact her and she came on the show. I'm hoping in this time period we can have a few more guests like that. Again, there's some things in the works, but see, it depends on availability. And while everyone might seem available, the club also does keep a pretty close, uh, close-knit. They, they keep everybody close to the chest, let's put it that way, in terms of getting players yeah. to talk. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? in terms of Because we've tried to get players on the podcast, and we've tried to get players from the Femini. Do you want to explain a little bit more how that works behind the scenes? Yeah, well, if you want to know why I have certain guests and don't have certain guests, it's that certain guests... Some people get in contact with me in certain ways, and obviously, whether it's usually on Twitter or Instagram, we build a rapport with individuals in the Barcelona community, and I start to parcel through and try to figure out you know, who are those voices that people want to be listening to, and that's kind of how we figured out, and I got in contact with them, again, started relationships there, and so if there are people or journalists that you haven't heard on the show, it's either that they don't really know of the show or don't care too much to be involved, or it's that I've asked and reached out, and they haven't responded, uh, generally, as 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 mean as that sounds, that's, that's usually the case where there are people in the Barcelona community I have reached out to that uh, have not responded back. So <laughs> that you won't be hearing them as a guest until they do. But if they do, then, or if you have a favorite that I haven't gotten, then maybe bother them, let us know, or let them know about us. Then maybe I can get in contact with them and, and we'll see where things go from there. So yeah, that's generally how it goes. And as far as the players individually, some of the players, uh, whether it be the feminine, you can, or uh, we've been tracking down individually, but a lot of the times I have to go through the agents and some agents, let's say for the Balancesto are a little easier to talk to, but then you wind up going back and forth for a few months and then nothing really transpires. And then that player winds up leaving and signing somewhere else. <laughs> so then they're not a Barcelona <laughs> player by the time uh, you can finally get them. So uh, the way, yeah, the way it works is every single guest and every single, uh, whether it's a player or whether it's somebody in the community, it's a little different, but uh, it's, you know, to give transparency, it's a little simpler than you think it is. And again, if there are guys or gals out there that you would love to have on the show, again, maybe let us know or let them know about the show. And also, at the same token of that, then there are people, and we are contacted a lot by people who want to come on the show, but obviously we want to keep it of a high quality and we want to make sure that people that we uh, are on the show 
are people you want to hear about. So we get contacted by a lot of people who just say, yeah, I want to be talking, but actually if it's not going to be adding more value than say we can add, then normally it's a no. So that's why we keep a, quite a quite a tight hold on the whole operation. That's why it's probably me, me and Dan every week because um, we just want to make sure that it's, it's, it's high quality or, or at least it's consistent with what we do on a weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, that said, interestingly enough, in that hiatus that Francesca took, I actually interviewed, I, I, had, I spoke with somebody who had a little bit of a following on Twitter, diagonal to the Barcelona community, and we did the whole show. And as I'm editing it and I'm looking back on it, I said, this really isn't good content. This is not what I wanted. So there is a show on my laptop or on a hard drive that was scrapped completely. And I had to pretty much apologize to the person that I spoke with because it just, it wasn't what it needed to be. And they weren't the guest for this show. And it took a little bit of, again, just going through the interview and just finding out that that's not going to work. So yeah, that has happened before. And yeah, for those who have asked to come on, the way to get on this show is the you become a Patreon. And then in the summertime, we usually do a Patreon show. So I don't know when that is coming up. That's something I got to schedule for sometime over the summer. We're hoping again that football comes back. But yeah, if there is an extended time like this, surely I will go back to the well and do another Patreon show. And we actually have a show coming up in a few weeks with a Patreon in particular and one of their specialties. So that is something to look forward to as well. But yeah, if you want to be on the show as a regular listener, it's the Patreon shows that I do basically once a year over the summertime. So that would be the way to get on there. So speaking of guests, Frances, if you could have one player from Barcelona's past and present on as a guest, who would it be? Cruyff. Yeah, yeah, that was my first I mean, one too. First, he could speak English which obviously <laughs> really helps us for the show because otherwise, you know, it's going to be a little bit hard to um, put subtitles on a podcast. Uh, but no, just because of his philosophy, because of his way of understanding football and the fact that he's taking Barca to, to where it is today. Yeah, I agree with that because I think you can speak about his time as a player, Barcelona of a different era, but then you can also speak about the time when he was in charge of the dream team. And then you could also speak about his viewing of the club in the modern era between Messi, Xavi, and Pep Guardiola. So yeah, I think that you'd get the most out of Johan Cruyff on this show. I also had Xavi on that list just because I think he's so articulate in the way he explains his mind. And I think that's Mm -hmm. what's going to make him a good coach. But you just see when you watch him in documentaries, he is so articulate and so well-spoken. The other one would have been a Juan Gamper. So obviously, uh, actually, I'm not sure whether he would have known uh, any English or not, but he did speak. Obviously, he spoke German. He was from Switzerland, right? Right. So I think he would have had an understanding of English. He was a businessman. I think he probably would have done because he was a businessman from Switzerland. That means he probably spoke French, definitely spoke Catalan and Spanish. And possibly English, but obviously I don't know if at the time English was as important yeah. in terms of business. Uh, but I'm assuming he would have done. I don't know. Yeah, so just getting the story from him, Juan Camper, and some of the uh, early stuff to start the club. And, you know, whether it's the reason I, I kind of shied away from answering Pep Guardiola was because there's so much out there about Pep, and we're going to continue. You're going to see documentaries, especially after he retires. There are going to be so many books and people talking to him. And so there's so much of what you want to know about Pep Guardiola. I think he's going to uh, have revealed it at some point, uh, <laughs> somewhere. So uh, that's why I, I had Pep uh, farther down the list. And then Messi, the reason we would have Messi on the show not to speak English because he's not going to do that. But obviously, if we had Lionel Messi on the Barcelona podcast, it is going to be the most listened to podcast we have ever had. And it would certainly change my life. So I would say from a business perspective, Lionel Messi would be the best option to, to have on the Barcelona podcast. Yeah, despite the fact that he, he rarely says anything that's very interesting, does he? I mean, right. he, he's from the same book as Andres Iniesta. 
they know all the cliche answers and that's what they give you every time so i don't know how interesting the interview would be um in, if the interview was tomorrow then i think it would be on that line it wouldn't be that crucial it wouldn't be that interesting but i think once he retires he'll be able to speak much more freely and that's when it will be interesting to have messi on the show oh yeah yep for sure yeah you'd love to hear about his different relationship with some of the board different boards over time because certainly as the boards have been radically different over his time at fc barcelona certainly there were ones that he probably liked a little bit better than others and it wasn't all just the same as he always says so with the growing fan base speaking of the board actually with the growing fan base of this podcast do you ever think the club will contact you and try to have a say in your content i really doubt that but i also think Frances, we are not too inflammatory i think we are just like basically we play a role as any other pundits are whether it's espn fc or other podcasts we're just breaking down what we see and i don't think we're ever so not even political, but I don't think we're ever uh, so negative or so against the club that uh, that uh, the club would ever need to step in. No, no, I don't think so. Um, also, I know people who work for the club. For example, Jason, Jason Pettigrew, who has been on this podcast before, and he he now works for, for FC Barcelona. He's writing books. I think he's got a book about Messi coming up. Either I don't know if it's out or it's coming out soon. But that's certainly going to be all over the world, and most of you are probably going to buy it. Um, I don't know the final title, but it's by Jason Pettigrew, and it's on it's on Messi. And basically, I don't think they they do that. I think that they, you know, there's so many Barca fans around the world, and freedom of expression obviously is, is all over the place, uh, and rightly so. And I don't think they will have a need to contact us at all. I have had some of my work published on the Barca website, especially when I used to work for ESPN. Um, I think it was three or four different articles that I wrote um, actually were referenced and some of them were basically copy and paste into the fcbarcelona.com website. And I don't know if people remember this, but last year, uh, before the game against Liverpool, I actually wrote a piece for Liverpool, I don't know if it's liverpoolfc.com, but the official Liverpool website. Um, and I was profiling the, the semi-finals against them. And I did a little bit of a comment on, on Jurgen Klopp and that went as they say these days, viral. So, no, I, I don't think the podcast will make it in there just because we're picking up our opinions because everyone around the world does do that. Well, yeah, and the other thing I would say, too, is we, as people know, we have a relationship with a lot of different Peñas behind the scenes as well, and I've had on the presidents and vice presidents of a lot of different Peñas here in the United States, and again, we're in contact with plenty of them on Instagram as well. So, the Peñas, really, you consider them a fan extension of the club, and we support the Peñas as we always do. We have partnerships with uh, particularly the NYC Pena here, uh, my local Pena. So we have partnerships with some of these Penas, uh, and we do work with them trying to get the, na- the name out that uh, if you are anywhere in the world, look for your local Pena, and hopefully you find it. Usually it's going to be the nearest city, and obviously until uh, this business is all over, you won't be able to see or meet everybody, but that is certainly a community to be had. When everything goes back to normal, those Penas are going to become really important because those are going to be communities that we have been lacking in the FC Barcelona community because everything's just going to be online for a while. So yeah, and we also, speaking of pressure, we get enough pressure from listeners and feedback from listeners who may disagree with what we're doing. Don't you worry uh, all about that. So yeah, maybe they're burner accounts from the club, but uh, we certainly get our fair share of criticism as well. So Rick then asks, how do you choose which listener questions to answer? Do you keep track of which listener questions have been asked and how many questions? That would be, for me, Rick, the easy answer is no, I don't track how many listener questions we give to everyone, but I generally parcel through, and if they're ones that 
make sense. They wind up being timely. They wind up being relevant to the news that's going on in that current news cycle. That winds up being things. Or if I think that we're going to get a good conversation out of it, that's generally basically the only criteria I use. So very rarely are there listener questions that are so uh, out there that I just ignore completely. So yeah, usually if you don't have a listener question answered that you asked, uh, if you ask something similar or you ask a thoughtful question, I'll definitely be answering it and we'll answer it on the show. My question, my process for the question says, uh, I turn the phone on and I speak to Dan because he's chosen all the questions for me. I do not read them. I see the post but I don't read what the questions are at all. So basically, I just wing it (laughs) and follow Dan's instruction. Okay, so for any of your feedback on questions not being answered, that goes to me, but it's thebarcelonapod at gmail.com anyway. So we'll give the feedback, send the feedback there. All right, anyway, are you thinking about changing anything to the podcast to make the experience even better? That being the style of the podcast, adding more content, having more guests. And Rick, the answer to this one is we will see. Again, I think... Not to, not to give you a cop-out answer, but we are in unprecedented times at the moment. So as far as as long as football is gone, again, we have no idea how long that's going to be. Francesca and I are going to get a little creative on the content that we're producing. So if anything, this is going to be the time when we're going to be trying different things out and could be having some more guests on. And again, I said, I have uh, some things already in the works of some conversations that are a little different than what we're used to. So uh, I would say that this is the moment when things are going to feel a little different. But when all things go back to normal, I expect the show to go back to normal as well. I agree. All right. So last two here, and these can be cop-out answers, Frances. I think these are the answers that we'd (laughs) love to sidestep. So kind of based on my proposal of what if, but what if Bartow Mayu never became president of the club? Do you think we still would have won the treble? Would we have been even more successful? Yes, we would have been. We would have been. Um, obviously, you cannot even, because it's about Bartomeu, you don't even know who would have come instead. But I doubt that many people would have done it worse in terms of choosing the sign-ins. I mean, Bartomeu hasn't been great from a sporting perspective, but we have to say from a financial point of view, he hasn't done that badly. So you need to, you need to look at everything. Uh, but from a sporting perspective, I think that, yeah, the, the team should have been reinforced better and if anyone else was in charge I think it would have been a much more positive outcome yeah I mean he you have to remember that the the trouble comes on the back of the Neymar signing from the previous administration and Sandra Russell he was punished for that transfer, but it still went through. Barca still winds up winning a treble with Neymar. So again, that happens not under Bartomeu's watch. So under Bartomeu's watch, which players have arrived that have completely changed the course of the club? I'm trying to think. Was Luis Suarez and Mark andre Ter Stegen and Rakitic, I, I think that might have been his first summer, and that reinforced for the treble. So I guess you could give credit there. I think a lot of credit probably deserves is deserved there. But since that time, yeah, you're talking about the last three, four seasons, as we always talk about every week on the show. I don't know who he's brought into this club that has reinforced not only in the moment, but for the future, because Barca still has not captured another Champions League. And they could have, if not for two fateful nights, of course. And, you know, even Bartomeu, we mentioned with Ernest Valverde, probably should have pulled the trigger earlier on Ernest Valverde, but he didn't. And everything stayed stagnant. And then they repeated what happened in Roma at Anfield. So yeah, certainly I think that I don't know how much more successful you can be because you, Barca win the Liga every year. So really, it was just the Champions League that were evading them. But that's a big if of, uh, of what would happen if Barca had won another Champions League in the last three years or if they had won two more Champions League in the last three years. The narrative is completely different. So speaking of presidential candidates, final question on our listener show here on the Ask Me Anything. 
And I think we're going to not answer this question, Frances. Which Barca presidential candidate do you guys support? Support? We don't support anybody. Well, well, at least I don't support <laughs> bingo. anybody. Yes. Um, I support someone who brings ideas. And I support someone who, you know, is trying to get Barca back to where it belongs in terms of philosophy, not just by signing one person, but actually having a whole organizational structure, sort of um, common goal that makes perfect sense at every level. Um, it seems like Victor Fon is someone who is probably closer to what I'm speaking about than the other candidates, but obviously I don't know who the other candidates are. I mean, I think they don't even know themselves at this stage, and some of them are just hiding um, behind the scenes waiting for, you know, all of Bartomeu's time to, to go away because, let's face it, he's not going to resign. So I'm not quite sure. Um, I think that what we need to do as a, as a podcast, as a community, is to be critical, is to be... Uh, analytical is to, is to know our facts well and then make a decision. But obviously, wh whoever the sources support is what the majority wants. So our opinion will be will be quite irrelevant. But I think that we need to allow everyone to make a decision based on actual facts, and then then we will see. But as a as an entity, as a podcast, as a show, I don't think we can support anybody. But we've got a clear. I, I mean, personally, I know you do as well, Dan. We've got a clear idea as to who the right person would be. But that's not necessarily a name. That's more of an ethos, a philosophy, a, a way of being than a particular name of a person. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I know it might be an unpopular opinion, but the hashtag Bartomeu out, particularly with what's happening in the world, I think that the elections that were to take place in 2021, now with everything again, with football halted in the way it is, I don't expect those elections to happen until 2021 now. You might have had a vote of confidence or something might have changed rapidly if Barcelona really limped down the stretch. Let's say they had lost to Napoli and they were kicked out at that point, then maybe in the last three months of the season, some kind of vote of confidence, you have a vote at the stadium, all those different things. Again, you need a, a large percentage of signatures even to put that forward for another election. And as you said, Bartomeu had no reason to resign. And so, yeah, I don't expect those elections until more than a year from now. And all that said, that hashtag Bartomeu out. So it's not necessarily that you can be it's good to be critical of the club, and Frances and I have been very critical of Bartomeu and his regime for a number of reasons for a while. But as Frances said, it's not necessarily that we're supporting another club here on the pod, but I would say for you, for the audience out on Twitter, wherever it is, instead of hashtag Bartomeu out until your fingers fall off, maybe get behind the ideas of another candidate and, and boost up and push forward that candidate. That would be the way to do it. You get behind somebody else that supports the vision that, that you have for the club as well that you would support, and you just continue to say, this is a candidate that I really like. And you push forward uh, their ideas and you basically explain why they're the right man for the job instead of just yelling into the void that Bartomeu is the awful option for Barca and is destroying Barca from within. Uh, no, it's instead of, uh, I'd, I'd say just flip that on its head. Uh, and we on the pod can't do that. So we're just going to be critical of Bartomeu and just make mentioned uh, whether it's, again, is it Laporta again who's going to try to have a, a, a another go, go at it? Is it going to be Benedito again? Again, is it Victor Font? So we're just going to let you know who the candidates are. But yeah, throw your support behind somebody uh, instead of just trying to tear everything down. So Frances, I think we did a lot of building up of each other today. I think we did a good job. And I think we've covered everything here in the Ask Me Anything show. Yeah, well, it was it was fun. It was different. But obviously, these are special circumstances. And uh, most importantly, I just wish that everyone remains safe and continues to wash their hands uh, so that this nightmare goes away. Yeah, so Frances, before we head out, I have to ask you, is there anything you want to ask me? Uh, no, uh, same time next week. 
<laughs> I agree. Same time next week. All right. So thanks so much for tuning in. Tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. Find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13. For me on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Close Facebook group tbpod.link backslash group. That's where we got these Ask Me Anything questions as well as deeper dives and discussions. There are still discussions going on. There's still a little bit of news trickling in and uh, it's also been fun to see the different rankings and conversations going on there uh, as we have this hiatus. Also on Patreon, as Frances mentioned, usually it's the quick take match reviews, but for now, tbpod.link backslash Patreon. We're also on YouTube at the Barcelona Pod. This week, as we said, we did this show because it is every day 10 players of the top 50 all time, Frances and I combined to make a list that we will be discussing on next week's show. But make sure you see that countdown on YouTube. Give us a like, give us a subscribe as well. It helps out more than you know. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. As always, until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Forza. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com